listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi everyone, it is Tuesday the 1st of February 2021. This is your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap after we took a, a bit of a break for the month of January, but we are back. And today it's all about interest rates, property and the share market. But first, let's start with the Reserve Bank, which did meet today for the first time this year. And it's starting to wind back its economic stimulus that it injected at the start of the pandemic, ending its quantitative easing or bond buying program. But it still held official interest rates at a record low of 0.1%. So what now? For more, I spoke earlier with St. George's Chief Economist, Besadetta. Bessa, let's start with the RBA's decision to end QE or its bond buying program. Why and what does it mean? Well, the bond buying program meant the RBA was buying bonds of maturities between five and 10 years. And the objective was to keep yields lower than otherwise would be the case in order to promote economic growth. But what we've seen is that the economy has begun to recover. Omicron has provided a bit of a dent to that recovery, but it's not anticipated to derail that recovery. Now, the RBA outlined three factors that it would look at to end the bond buying program. So the first one was the actions of other central banks. Now, most central banks around the world have either ended their bond buying program or about to end it. The other one was um, looking at the functioning of the bond market. Now, that's the bond market in Australia is functioning well. And the third one was the progress towards inflation and its employment goals. Now, in terms of inflation and employment, if we look at the current prints, they're above where the RBA expected it to be um, in November of last year. And in fact, in today's statement, we've seen an upgrade to inflation forecast. And we've also seen the RBA move their unemployment rate lower. So I think you put those three together and it warrants scrapping the bond buying program. Now, the bond buying program was an emergency measure which it introduced at the onset of the pandemic to help stimulate the economy during the rough period. The other was the cash rate falling to that emergency level of 0.1%. Now, today, though, the RBA really gave no indication of a near-term rate rise. And if anything, it said, quote in its statement, that the end of the bond buying program doesn't imply a near-term interest rate rise. What do you think the RBA is trying to say here? I think it's really sending a message that don't expect a rate hike next month or the month after and that they want to see a little bit more data and the data they really want to see is on wages. Um, if you have a look at their updated forecast today, if those forecasts materialise, then there's really no reason not to expect them to raise rates as soon as August um, of this year, which is our view. But the bit that they're uncertain about, I guess, is wages growth. That's sitting at 2.1% per annum. We get an update on wages at the end of this month and then another one in May. And I guess they just want to be, be convinced that that lower unemployment rate, that rise in inflation pressures is, is going to produce a lift in wages growth. And just finally, how do you see Australia's experience with inflation and interest rates compare with others around the world, especially with the US, because the US Federal Reserve said last week that it implies that interest rates there will start rising from March. And then we've got the Bank of England later this week, uh, where there are great expectations that it'll start raising interest rates there. I guess if you have a look at the, the, the unemployment rate in the United States, if you look at their wages growth, if you can look at their inflation numbers, they're a lot higher than in Australia. So, for example, their headline CPA, CPI is over 7%. You know, ours is sitting at 
three, 3.5%. You have a look at the unemployment rate. It's already below 4%. Uh, we're at 4.2%, but heading down under there. And it's the same thing with the UK. Their inflation is higher. Uh, it's above 5% per annum, and their unemployment rate is lower than where it is in Australia. But, you know, when you look at the major economies around the world, they're still sort of moving that same groove, which is inflationary pressures are building up, the unemployment rate is moving down, and wages growth is, is turning up. Besser Detta there from St George, Chief Economist. Now, what does this all mean for shareholders? Well, the ASX rallied today after the RBA's decision, the 200 up half a percent, 7,006, but it does follow a dreadful month for the share market. The ASX 200 down 6.4% in January. Today, of course, is the first day of February. So for more, I spoke earlier with Robert Telefsky. He is the Managing Director at Activist Investment Advisors. Robert, how did the market react to the RBA's board meeting today? So all up, um, Australian shares edged higher, taking some lead from the US uh, overnight uh, on a day, as you say, where the RBA met to discuss uh, monetary policy. Uh, we were expecting four things um, from today's RBA meeting. One was to, um, you know, announcements around leaving uh, interest rates on hold, which they did. Another was um, in relation to ending their bond buying program, um, which they also did. Um, also uh, revising up their uh, inflation uh, forecasts, which, which they did. However, we were expecting a more hawkish stance uh, from the RBA um, and basically bring forward uh, their interest rate uh, increases, uh, which they didn't, uh, preferring to take a more uh, wait and see approach um, going forward. I think the market, though, is still expecting interest rates to rise this year anyway. Um, and obviously, it'll influence the way trade happens this year. So how are you going to navigate that in 2022? And just how do you see the interest rate story playing out? Yeah, we are seeing uh, reasons to, to maintain a cautious approach. While we don't see enough reason not to be invested in equity markets at the moment, uh, equity markets are still supported by solid uh, earnings growth. We're expecting 10% calendar year uh, earnings growth here in Australia. The macros are still supporting equity markets, uh, low unemployment rate, solid uh, GDP growth weight. Uh, we do expect the technology sector to, to struggle in this um, increasing interest rate environment. While there is talk of four to five uh, interest rate hikes, both here and in the US, um, it really could go either way. Um, if inflation remains elevated, we could see more interest rates increase. Um, if, uh, if there's a bit of a leveling off of inflation, we could see fewer. So it's really important to remain nimble um, uh, around that sort of interest rate uh, strategy. Uh, we're, we're sort of progressively, re we've been progressively reducing our exposure to the tech sector. We believe the tech sector will struggle during these um, higher interest rate environment times. And we've been rotating into banks, which we feel um, will be supported in this current market environment. We've also been increasing our diversification of our portfolios across more asset classes. We're in February, it's the first day of the month. The market was smashed in January, down 6.4% over the month. What's your take? I guess a lot of it has got to do about this interest rate talk, especially towards the end of the month when the market really went into free fall, when we learned that the US Federal Reserve was going to potentially start lifting interest rates from March, right? But the question is, was it oversold? And what happens now? 
So um, Australian shares are uh, about 8.2% off their highs. Uh, similarly, um, the S&P 500 is down about 6.3% off their highs. Uh, we went into a technical um, correction last week. Technical correction is basically another word for or defined as uh, a movement down of, of 10% or more. Um, it's not driven by fundamental factors, um, factors such as obviously concerns, or concerns around arising from spiking inflation, um, you know, the anxiety um, of investors around the, uh, the projection and the sort of increasing of interest rates going forward as well. As, and you can add to that uh, the geopolitical risks around Russia and Ukraine. And as we've seen, Omicron cases um, increase uh, dramatically as well, have all contributed to this market volatility and equity market downturn. We are starting to see some stability returning equity markets from obviously a poor January. We're not seeing the strong recoveries uh, we saw following uh, a market pullback or pullbacks, I should say, in 2021. We still think that market volatility will stick around for the next 12 months um, going forward. Robert Tulevsky there from Activist Investment Advisors. Now, interest rates, of course, do have implications for the housing market, but until they rise, we are seeing prices to continuing to increase. CoreLogic today is saying that the national average uh, increasing 1.1% in January for that month, the best performing capital city was Brisbane, up 2.3%. In fact, prices in Brisbane have risen nearly 30% over the past 12 months, making it the best performing capital city market over the past year. The worst performer over the past month was Melbourne, up by just 0.2%. But in this environment of potential rising interest rates this year, what happens? For that and more, I spoke earlier with CoreLogic's Tim Lawless. How would you describe the way house price growth started this year? In many ways, we've seen the market start the year like it finished last year. Housing values nationally were up 1.1%. December, they're up 1%. So not much difference there at all. But we have actually seen more activity through January than we normally would. In fact, through January, we're estimating sales activity was about 30% higher than the five-year average. Obviously, pretty thin. You know, December compared to January, January is down about 30% in, in total volumes, but we're still seeing quite a bit of activity in the marketplace, uh, which really highlights that demand remains relatively strong. How and when will we know the true momentum of the market? Yeah, a, a great question. I think coming into February, we should get a much uh, uh, clearer reading on, on how the market's performing through early 2022. By then, we'll see transactional activity will have ramped up. We'll see a few weeks worth of auction clearance rates. Uh, we'll start to get a better feel for what inventory levels are doing through the early part of the year as well. So at the moment, it looks like the market remains relatively uh, strong compared to, uh, to uh, where it was in December or similar to where it was in December. But remember, back in March of last year, we were seeing national housing values rising at nearly 3% month on month. And that's gradually wound down to around about 1% month on month. So the broader trend here is clearly one that is pointing to a slowdown or a softening. A lot of talk about the potential for higher official interest rates this year, earlier than expected. We know that there's some movements when it comes to fixed rates from the banks as well. So to what extent do you think higher interest rates will take some of the heat out of home price growth? Or do you think there are other variables? 
Well, rates are definitely a factor in the housing market's outlook. And uh, for previous analysis we've done shows a very high correlation between cash rate movements and housing values, uh, their performance. In fact, it's, a, it's about an 84% inverse relationship. Um, but there is a bit, of a, tw- a bit of a lag to that. So 12 months down the track, you see that relationship becomes much stronger. So my view is, as we see interest rates starting to rise, clearly that's going to be some further downwards pressure on the housing market's performance. But the other factors you mentioned, things like credit availability are equally as important. And if we do see uh, further signs that credit could be tightened by APRA, then clearly that's another downside risk um, through 2022. Can Australians afford to buy a home? I mean, we already know there's billions and billions of dollars worth of savings in bank accounts out there. But what about serviceability, affordability? To what, to what extent are they a problem? Well, there's a couple of ways to measure affordability. You mentioned serviceability is is one option. So for people that already own a home, paying down the debt is generally relatively straightforward. It's uh, the ratio of of income to mortgage repayments is lower now than it was 10 years ago. And that's simply due to the fact that rates are much lower. But if you don't own a home, then the better way to measure is, say, income to housing values as a ratio. And clearly, that has blown out quite substantially through this growth cycle because wages growth has been virtually nothing, but yet we've seen housing values rise by 22% in a year. For those people that don't own a home, the hardest uh, obstacle is going to be raising a deposit and funding their transactional costs. So clearly, um, uh, if you do own a home, you've seen a lot of wealth being generated through this housing boom. But for those that are stuck renting or uh, um, can't raise a deposit, then the market has clearly moved away from uh, their ability to access it. Final question, looking into your crystal ball, how do you see the market panning out this year and where do you see the growth spots? Well, I think uh, by the end of this year, we will uh, see housing values probably still in, in a positive position in annual growth terms, but nowhere near the sort of growth we saw in 2021 Potentially a 5 to 7% growth rate seems like a reasonable expectation. Uh, but there is going to be a lot more diversity than we saw last year. And I think as we talked about a bit earlier on, those bright spots will be probably southeast Queensland, uh, Adelaide, maybe Perth. If we do see the state borders opening up, you'd expect that interstate migration would once again uh, start to reinvigorate that market. But on the downside, markets that are much more unaffordable, like Sydney and Melbourne, are probably going to be underperforming through 2022. Tim Lawless there from CoreLogic. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision. Thank you.